0: Um, I, uh, obviously, uh, talk to Jim every week, so, uh, I hear that you guys are just killing it up here, so, uh, congrats to you for killing it, just in life, I mean, doesn't it just feel good just to kill it in life, right, just to crush it, right, it just feels good, doesn't it? Well, uh, I'm excited to be here, and, uh, something I wanted to just share that, uh, the Lord spoke to me in the middle of worship, and just kind of what was, uh, happening there at the end of worship, you know, sometimes, uh, we are encouraged to burn, right, We're we're saying you need to be on fire, you need to have more hunger, but sometimes uh, we don't understand what that looks like, right? Sometimes it's like hard to get there. Sometimes we feel like our car's in park and we're told that we need to be going 60 miles an hour, right? Anybody else been there but me? Okay. And uh, so just something the Lord wanted me to just kind of share real quickly before I get into my message is something that... Uh, let me just teach you how to burn a little bit. You, you want to you learn how to burn? Learn how to burn. Hashtag learn how to burn. If you want to learn how to burn, here's, it, worship is one of the most amazing ways to train yourself to burn. And here's why. It's because you will sing something out of your mouth that you would never declare. You will sing something out of your mouth that your mind may not even come into agreement with yet. Right? And so what happens is you begin to sing a song, you begin to sing worship, you begin to say something like, baptize my heart with fire. And you may not even mentally agree with it, you may not even mentally think, oh, that's not possible, it, uh, you know, that's, that's going to happen to somebody else, it'll happen to the person to my right or my left, but it, surely it's not going to happen to me. But the more that you begin to release that sound out of your mouth, your mind begins to change right? Out of your mouth, your mind begins to change. And so sometimes you begin to declare a thing before you actually believe it. That's why when Abraham, uh, God told Abraham, go to the land that I'll show you, where's it at? I'll show you. Okay? So you just start moving. You just start getting into motion because there's a peril in doing nothing, there's a peril in doing nothing. There's a peril in staying stagnant and staying in one place. And, you know, even, even if you've went through a surgery or you've had an injury or something, the doctors tell you, you've got to get up and you've got to move. If you've got to get the walker and you've got to start marching around your living room with the walker, you've got to get into motion, Right? And so sometimes, you know, when Abraham, God told Abraham, go to the land that I'll show you, and Abra- Abraham spent many uh, uh, weeks and months and however long it was looking for the land that God would show him. And so there's a grasping in the dark, there's a, there's a searching, there's, a, there's a, um, a, a groping for what God is showing you, and then there's this verse that, Abraham, uh, that that it says about Abraham that when he was three days off, he saw it. When he was three days off, it wasn't three weeks off, it wasn't three, we- three years away, it wasn't uh, three miles away. When he was three days off, he saw the land that God would send him to. And so sometimes it's in the, in the journey that you actually begin to get direction. You actually begin to get insight. And so what, it, what, it, what does it mean? It means that you may not feel like you're passionate, it may not feel like you're burning on fire for Jesus, but sometimes you just got to get an emotion. Sometimes you just got to shout a little bit There's a reason why the psalms say shout unto god with the voice of triumph The best time to do that is when you don't feel like you're a triumph When, When you're not feeling like you're triumphant the best time to shout with the voice of triumph is that time Because what happens is the shout actually begins to change your circumstances You guys all right? I'm having fun. I'm here to have fun. I like you guys. I've got coffee. It, it is just amazing day. Um, so I want to talk to you um, briefly here. I don't have a whole lot of time that, but uh, I want to I want to talk to you today about your dream, your destiny, your baby. And, you know, uh, I actually wasn't going to talk about this. is a message that I've done at Pickerington, and uh, I wasn't going to do this, but um, just some of the things that Bethany was saying in worship, I felt like I needed to, to kind of hit this and uh, kind of hit it fast and furious. You ready? Um, you know, there is every person has a dream, has a destiny, has something that God has implanted into you. You, you have it. Whether you, you see it, whether you see the expression of it, the manifestation of it, whether you see it active in your life, the seed for your dream is in your heart. The seed for your destiny is in your heart. And what happens is sometimes things get in our way that keeps the seed at a seed. But what happens is what we have to do is we have to stand in a place where there may not be no blossom, no no bud, no bloom, no nothing, but you have to begin to rejoice over the thing that God has planted in you. And when you begin to rejoice over the thing that God has planted in you, you make room in your heart for the expansion to happen. You make room in your heart for your dream to grow, your destiny to become a reality, and your baby to be birthed. Now, when I think about this kind of uh, analogy, I love, I love just the analogy of babies being born. Anybody love babies? I love babies. I have four babies, uh, four children. My oldest is not really a baby anymore, but um, it, it, I, I just love babies. And, you know, my wife and I, we, we, uh, we've noticed something that when we go places, it doesn't matter what country, what culture, what it is, that if you have a baby, they'll smile at you. And so if you, if you want people to be friendly, just start carrying around babies, right? <laughs> Some of you guys looking for a wife, maybe you just need to start carrying around babies. Selah. <laughs> I, but I love the analogy of babies. And when I think about the analogies of babies, I think about Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah. And there's a passage in scripture in in, uh, Genesis and I love Genesis uh, 15, 16, 17 uh, around that area. Just that whole chunk of scripture. There is uh, something that happens, something amazing that happens to Abraham. Abraham is in his early 80s and God visits him and God points to the stars at night and says, see the stars. Can you look and see the stars? What you see with your eyes, your inheritance, your legacy will be that your children will be numbered more than the stars in the sky now that's an amazing promise how many of you you just a, a promise of legacy a promise of inheritance a promise that that your children's children's children will rule and reign that's an amazing promise especially for any father but here's the problem is abraham had not yet been a father and so he's facing a, uh, uh, he's given a promise, and the promise is for a, a, a child to be born, but yet he has no children, and he is in his 80s. How many of you know, especially in natural terms, that when you're in your 80s, you are a little bit past your prime to have children? You're a little bit past your prime to have children. But here's what God was trying to get Abraham to do, is take his eyes off of the natural and get your eyes on the supernatural. Because if Abraham uh, could have a child on his own in the right time, in the right uh, point of his life, then Abraham would, um, what would happen is he would believe that he could do it through himself. And God wants him to understand and have the viewpoint that you can do it through me. Right? And so he gives him this promise of this baby. You're, 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 you're going to have uh, um, inheritance, you're going to have ancestors, you're going to have children's children's children that will be numbered more than the stars in the sky. Now, when, when God says something like this to a husband, how many of you think that Abraham went home and told his wife? Honey, you're never going to believe what God said. You're never going to believe it. God said this, it's going to happen, it's going to be good, it's going to be amazing. Look at the stars. Every time, every night, he looks up at the stars, and it's a reminder of the promise that God gave him. It's a reminder. And so Abraham, you know, he goes home and tells his wife, and I wasn't there, but I would imagine that Sarah's freaking out. Because if you haven't figured it out, the guy has the easy part. And Sarah is up there in age as well. She is in her eighties as well. And so here we have uh, here we have a couple who are given a promise to have a child, and and they're way out of their prime to have the child. And so in the natural, it's looking impossible. They have been given a dream. They've been given destiny. They've been given a promise of a baby. Right? Your baby is your dream. Your baby is your dream. Think about it, when, when, if you are pregnant with a baby, you grow that baby, you, are, you, you understand what's going on inside of you. you, you actually physically begin to grow until your baby, the thing that you're carrying, begins to affect the way that you walk. It begins to affect the way that you sit down and the things that you eat and the cravings that you have, and, and everything uh, begins to change around you because what, the, what God has put in you is actually affecting the external life around you. You begin to make decisions based on the baby. You begin to make decisions. Everything begins to change. And so here's what I'm telling you the spiritual implication is your dream is your baby. Sometimes what we do is God gives us a dream, we say, Oh, that's cute, God, and we put it on the shelf. And nothing in our lives changes as it pertains to that dream. We expect, we sit on our spiritual couches, and we expect for God to just drop and unfurl a completely accomplished dream into our laps. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be wonderful? For God to just start the business, get it going, get it up really good, and then say, here you go. But here's the thing, if you don't have a hand in starting it, you'll never be able to sustain it. If you don't have a hand in starting it, you'll never be able to sustain it. Because you knew what it took to start it, and you know what it'll take to sustain it. Amen? And so when I think about this, I think about, you know, Sarah and Abraham. And Sarah gets real desperate, and she does something that's almost unthinkable. Almost unthinkable. She gets uh, her, her servant and her house who is another woman, and has her go into her husband, so that they can fulfill the promise. Has anyone ever tried to do something outside of God's will? You don't have to raise your hand. But sometimes we try to make a natural way into a supernatural destiny, right? This word is as much, uh, 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 this promise that God gave Abraham is as much for Abraham as it is for Sarah. Because the, the, you know, when you get married, it's the two become one. And so there is a, a, a joining that has happened. And so this word is Sarah's word. And Sarah's word is his word. And here's what Sarah does. I'm going to read it, chapter 16, verse 1. It says, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had bore him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, and it may be uh, that I shall obtain children by her. She came to this place where, you know, she... She came to this place where she got desperate and she's literally willing to do the unthinkable to see God's promises happen. And she's trying to make it happen on her own. And that's what we do in our lives when God gives us a dream. We try to make a natural way into the supernatural promises that God has given us. We try to make a natural way into it. We try to get somebody else to birth our baby. And so... What happens is when we have the dream, we have to quit expecting other people to birth our baby. Because in doing so, you have become just like Sarah. Your dream needs to come through you. Your destiny comes through you. And we are waiting for other people to step into it, other people to pave the way, other people to take the first step, other people to do these things. And it's not going to happen. The same thing with Sarah. Sarah, you know, your, your maid can't have your baby, Sarah. Sarah. Not in it be the promised seed, not in it be the very thing that God has promised and said that the Christ will come from. Your maid can't have your baby. For Abraham, it can't be born out of somebody who lives in your house. It has to come through you and your covenant. And so we've got to stop expecting other people to birth our baby, to have our dream, to step out, to to have a reality that, that God has given us. Those things come through you. Why don't you just say, it's going to come through me. It's got to come through me. God, What God wants to do through you has to come to you. And what God wants to do to you will have to come through you. You've got to birth your own baby. You've got to birth your own dream, birth your own destiny. And God supernaturally will help you and take every step of the way. But what happens is we are like Sarah, and we put things in order to try to make them happen outside of time, outside of the season, outside of the, the, the very thing that God has said would happen. But God is saying, you know, uh, with Abraham, it's, it's, uh, God is saying to Abraham, like, Abraham, I will, this promise comes with the power to produce it. The promise comes with the power to produce it. Well, we've got to have faith in that promise, right? You guys all right? Do we need to take another Selah? I do. What, what God is saying through Abraham is, is he's telling Abraham that he'll take his insufficiencies, He'll take the very thing that is, that is in him that says, I'm not good enough. He'll do it for you. The very thing in you that says, I'm not good enough, or I, I don't have this, or I don't have that, or I'm too young, or I'm too old, or I'm too black, or I'm too white, or I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm too, I, I'm not educated enough. I don't have a good speaking voice. I don't have any of this. I don't have any of that. God will wait till it looks totally impossible for you and says, now I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna do it through you and I'm going to take your body as good as dead. I'm going to take your circumstances, although it might not look like it's possible. I'm going to take those things, and I'm going to move through you because when I move through you, you'll understand that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by His Spirit. And you're going to see that when God opens the door, there is a door that God opens that no man can shut. There's an opportunity that God flings wide that nobody can shut it. Because he's opened it for you. And so God is encouraging us. He's challenging us. It's time to have your own baby. He's given you a dream. And there are things that prevent us from birthing, the very thing God is calling us to birth. For some of us, we are waiting on God. We're waiting on God. Can you imagine a mother... 40, 40 weeks, ready to give birth. You know, I'm just going to wait on God. It would be, it would be absurd, right? It, it's time. It's time. And we're waiting on God, and we're waiting. And, and what we don't understand is that God, uh, God's act is putting in the seed, and now God's waiting on us. When God created things in the beginning, He created them after their own kind. That means that He started the seed and the seed never stopped. And so, everything that you need for an oak tree is inside of an acorn. And here's the thing there is an orchard of oak trees inside the acorn, it's not just one oak tree. And so that seed represents another seed, which represents thousands of seeds, which represents hundreds of thousands of seeds that will go on. And the multiplication factor is crazy. But we're waiting on God. And we've got to come to a place where we're, we, we, we understand that God is waiting on us. God is waiting on us. God has, has put in you what you, need, what you need in this season, that you're in the right season for the right reason, for the right time, for the right place. That he's got something good for you. He's got something amazing that he wants to do in you and through you. The other thing that happens that, we, we, that prevents us, that, uh, that, that aborts our baby, so to speak, is fear. Fear will abort your baby. And most, uh, most doubt and unbelief is rooted in fear. You can make all kinds of excuses. You can come up with all kinds of spiritual phrases, but it will always be reduced to one factor, and that's fear. That's why the Bible says that God did not give you a spirit of fear. Why did he single out one? He did not give you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Because what God wants to do is not rooted in fear. It's rooted in love. It's rooted in power. And it's rooted in a sound mind. And so we've got to, you know, what happens is we we fear. It not happening. And this is what Sarah did. Sarah feared that it was not going to happen. I'm afraid that it's not going to happen, so I've got to do something to make it happen, right? I've got to do something to make it happen, uh, uh, and I've got to have somebody else have my baby, somebody else have my dream, somebody else birth it so that I can have it. You guys all right? The antithesis of fear is not doubt. The antithesis of fear The antithesis of faith is fear. The antith- antithesis I'm going to get it. The antithesis of faith is not doubt, it's fear. And fear Is the opposite of faith. And when you're in areas that you move in faith, you are not moving in fear. In areas that you move in fear, you are not moving in faith. There is no mixture there. Of course, there's a healthy fear of the Lord, but it has nothing to do with the earthly fears that we experience. When I think of the fear, um, anybody else just comforted by the lives of the disciples? Man, they screwed up a bunch, didn't they? I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm just looking back on my life, and I'm like, I, I've never tried to cut anyone's ear off. I've, I've never tried to call down fire on anyone. I've done other things, but uh, I, I, at least I didn't do those, right? And so sometimes we get comforted by reading the lives of the disciples and say, you know what, at least I'm not that bad. <laughs> and, and that's what it is with fear sometimes. Because fear, uh, when, when, these, when these disciples, many times in Scripture, they move in fear, and one of my favorite times is when Jesus was walking on the water. You guys remember this story? Jesus is walking on the water, and, uh, and the disciples are in a boat and um, it, it 's just an amazing story um, and so all of a the sudden the, you know let me just give you the context. The disciples are in a boat, the storm has come, and they are afraid of two things they 're afraid of the storm, or the situation. You know, the the storm, the situation. They they were in a boat, and they're afraid of their situation, their circumstance. And the, the problem in the boat is not the situation. Because the boat is designed to float as long as the situation on the outside, that's the water, doesn't get on the inside, right? Anybody ever been in a boat? If the, if the water starts getting on the inside, that's bad, right? <laughs> Anybody ever, yeah. I had a boat that uh, sprung a leak and had to swim back. And it, it's not good, right? But the boat, it doesn't matter how wavy, how rocky it is. It is designed to float as long as that situation on the outside doesn't get on the inside, Right? If the situation from the outside gets on the inside, that's when you begin to go down, right? You begin to go down. And so, you know, I don't care what you're going through. You can float through it without allowing it to flow in you. Because you are designed to float in what other people might sink in because you've got Jesus, You've got the Holy Spirit. And so your boat, so to speak, can float through anything. There are people who became millionaires. You know, I don't care if it's a recession, a depression. There are people who became millionaires in the middle of a depression because they didn't allow the news on the outside to affect their thought life on the inside. When the things on the outside begin to affect your thought life on the inside, that's when you begin to go down. That's when things begin to take a turn for the worse because the things on the outside begin to affect you on the inside. You ever been around people who just always talk about the past? Don't nudge the person next to you. There there are people who who are stuck in something that happened 20 years ago. This person did this to me and and they're they are such a jerk and I can't even be mean. <laughs> I'm trying. This is me trying. They are such a uh, jerk. And they're talking about a situation or a circumstance that happened 20 years ago. And when you look at that person that they're talking about, they've gone on with their life. They, they have a great job. They've got a family. They, they, they're successful. And everything seems to be okay because they've moved on with their life. But this person is drowning in a 20-year-old cup of water that has gotten on the inside of them. Because they've allowed the circumstances to affect their thought life. When the things on the outside get on the inside, that's when you go down. And so we've got we've to understand and we've got to look out for what things are affecting our hearts. You know, a good indicator for what's getting in your heart, your mouth will tell you what's getting to you. Your mouth will tell you what's getting to you because it speaks out whatever the heart is full of, right? Right? Man, I don't have time to go into that. <laughs> Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak, right? That's why when the heart is full of the Holy Spirit, it speaks out in the language of the Spirit. Because whatever the heart is full of, that's what the mouth will speak out. And so, you know, we've, we can't allow people to, to penetrate our thought life, to penetrate those things with negativity, with doubt, here 's what they did with the boats in the, in the ancient days and in, in the Scandinavian boats and things they would pit. they called it pitching the ship. they would put tar on the inside and the outside of the ship in every crack in every crevice of the ship they would they would pitch it, they would put tar in it to the intent that they knew that the water would come, and they were building up a defense so that the things on the outside did not uh, get on the inside, right. They they would build up a defense, and so we've got to be able to build up a defense. We can't allow, uh, we can't associate ourselves. We can't uh, tie ourselves to people who are negative. People who are doubtful, people who are full of fear, people who are constantly coming at you and say, you shouldn't do this, or did you think about that, or I'm afraid if you do this, and there's all of those things, they, they, without knowing it, they penetrate your pitch, they penetrate your faith, and when they walk away, I don't care how much faith you have, when they walk away, they planted a seed of doubt that you are allowing to get on the inside of you. And we've got to purge ourselves of that negativity because it begins to penetrate what we are going, what we are being carried in. It penetrates your pitch, and we want the things on the outside to stay on the outside, right? The disciples were they, they were afraid. They were afraid of the situation. They were afraid of the storm. They were afraid of these things and they built up this, uh, you know, the, 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 we've got to built up, build up this defense so that we can't um, get penetrated by negativity. And we've got to ask ourselves a question too, sometimes, what are we going through that we are allowing to get to us? What are you going through that you are allowing to get in you? Because the moment that it gets in you, that's when things begin to go down. you guys okay i 'm going to go just a, a little bit deeper here um, so they're they 're afraid of the situation they 're afraid of the the storm right um, if you don 't believe me, let me just read it immediately um, Chapter fourteen, Matthew. Uh, Verse 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him on the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountains by himself to pray. And evening came, and he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way away from the land, beating by the waves, for the wind was against them. Anybody ever felt like the wind was against you? And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him... Walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. So here, here's the disciples. Here's, here's, here's what's happening. Let me, let me just, you guys want me to explain it to you? Okay, nobody does? All right. The more you interact, the faster this goes. All right. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So, so they're, they're afraid of the situation, which is the storm. The, the wind was against them. We just read it. They're afraid of those things, Right? And, and here comes Jesus walking on the water, right? Jesus is the solution. And so now, not only are they afraid of the circumstance or the situation, they are also afraid of the solution. Do you get it? Let, let, me, let me explain it to you this way. Imagine you're on the 20th floor of a high-rise building. The building is on fire, You're standing at the window, and the fireman's down there with one of the hoopty things yelling, jump. You're afraid of the fire, but you're also afraid of the solution. So you're standing there on the windowsill saying, is there another option? You're going to get it one way or the other. But we don't have long to deliberate in this instance because the fire is coming after you. Either you're going to jump or you're going to burn. If I stay where I'm at, I know I'll die. If I jump, I might live. Do you understand the logic? Do you understand the thought process? That the disciples, they're, they're, they're in this place and they're, they're stuck in between two fears. Because just like you standing on the the edge of the windowsill, they are standing in the boat, and they are afraid of the circumstance, and now Jesus is coming, and it doesn't say they were just afraid, it says they were terrified, and they said it's a ghost, and it wasn't the Holy Ghost. And here comes Jesus walking on the water, and they didn't recognize him. You, you know why they didn't recognize him? Is because sometimes God is hard to recognize in the middle of a storm. Sometimes when you're going through hell and you're going through things, it's hard to see the solution walk right up to you in the middle of your situation. This was the Jesus they had just been with. They had just left him. They had just been with him. Jesus sent them away, dismissed the crowds, and then came to them. And they didn't recognize him because sometimes God is hard to recognize when you're in a storm. And we're crying out, God, where are you? And he's right there. And he just walked up on top of our circumstances. So the disciples, they're, they're, they're in the boat, and it's rocking back and forth. I wish I had a boat. It's rocking back and forth. Uh, imagine I'm standing in a boat. And, and the storm, it says the wind was against them, the boat is swaying back and forth, swaying back and forth. And here comes Jesus, and there's, now they are, they are pinched in between two fears. It's double jeopardy. Now they're afraid of the storm, but they're also afraid of the solution. And when everyone who is in this situation does exactly the same thing, Nothing. This is what you call being paralyzed by fear. Because you're afraid of your circumstances, but you're also afraid of what the solution is or what God is calling you into or what he's asking you to step out and onto, and, and it might look different, it might, it might be new, it might be uncharted water, so to speak, it might be something that you're not used to, but, but what we're doing is while we stay here in between two fears, we are rocking on a boat of mediocrity. And God is bringing you an opportunity, but we are stuck on the boat of mediocrity because we're stuck in between two fears. And we just begin to say, I'm just gonna stay right here. I, 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 this is what I know. This is what I understand. This is, I'm, I'm just gonna stay right here. I, you know, I, I'm just gonna wait it out. I'm just gonna wait it out. I'm just gonna stay right here. I'm not, I can't step out of the boat. I can't, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't, I'm just gonna stay right here. And, and, we, and we begin to get paralyzed by fear when God is calling us to step out into something amazing. You guys okay? The, the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to steal your life, and he does it by keeping you rocking in mediocrity. He does it by keeping you in a place of Passivity where you just stay where you're at and you're being affected by your circumstances around you. You're being affected by your situation around you and you never step out into the solution or the opportunity because it's, 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 you're afraid. You're terrified. And they actually called what was God, they called it a ghost. One man out of 12 stepped out of the boat. So if, you're, if you feel like you're stuck in the boat, you're in the majority. The beauty is that there's a solution. And what I, what I feel like God is doing this morning is pulling the veil back from our eyes so that we can see clearly the solution. We can clearly see the opportunity that God is bringing us. Because there, you know there, there's one man that steps out. And if we can learn anything from this story, it's what did that one man do? What did he want? What was he going after? And and, and so Peter stands up in the middle of a crowd who's stuck in passivity and says, Lord, is it you? One of the only questions that you really need to ask God is Lord, is it you? You don't need to ask him, how am I going to pay for it? How am I going to do this? What's my assignment? What's this? Lord, is it you? When an opportunity comes, Lord, is it you? Okay? Is it you? Yes. And so we ask him, we learned from Peter and ask the question. And so there was one man out of 12, he, he, he said, Lord, is it you? And he began to step out into, out of the boat. And you know what Peter's doing is he's, what he's saying here by his act of stepping out of the boat is he's, he's saying to God, he's saying, I want to know you in a, in a new way. I want to know you in a, in a way that I've never known you before. I am with them, but I am not like them. They are satisfied, rocking on a boat of mediocrity, but you are calling me to step out into an opportunity, and that's what I want. I want to know you in the middle of the situation as the solution. I want to know you in another dimension. And what you've got to understand is where you are is not where God's calling you to. He's got more for you. If you feel like you're stuck, where you are is not where God's calling you to. If you feel like you're in a rut, where you are is not where God's calling, to, calling you. He's got more for you. But you've got to say hello to the new and goodbye to the old. You've got to say hello to this and goodbye to this. And recognize the, 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 the fact that we're rocking on a boat of mediocrity. He's got more for us. And here's the thing, and I'm going to kind of wrap up with this. Um, it, it wouldn't be so bad if they were held back by nature, by, by, by nature, by the storm, if it was just the fact that they were held back by the storm, by nature, um, you know, all of these things. But, but this is a spirit. This is a spirit. And if it's a spirit that is robbing you from the abundant life that God has for you, then it's a spirit that won't let you be happy. It's a spirit that won't let you walk in joy. It's a spirit that won't let you hold your head up and your back straight. It's a spirit that keeps reminding you of your past and never telling you about your future. It's a spirit that keeps pointing out your weaknesses and never telling you your strengths. It is a spirit that is keeping our churches small and our faith smaller. It's a spirit. And what we've got to understand is that if it's a spirit, we know that God did not give us the spirit of fear. And so somebody else gave it to you. It's not you. It's not yours. So quit owning it. This is not, my, this is not your fear. you you got to understand, it's not your fear. You, we have been claiming, that I'm just afraid of this. I've always been afraid of this. I'm afraid of spiders. I've always been afraid of spiders. It's this big. (laughs) Let me show you the solution. But even, even in that declaration, you are declaring that it's your fear. But what you're doing is you're taking ownership of what the enemy handed you. Because God did not give you a spirit of fear. And whatever God gives you is what you need to hold on to. What the enemy gives you, you need to flush it. You need to flush it down the toilet and then flush it again. You know, some of them toilets you gotta flush twice. Some of the fear is so big, you gotta flush it twice. You gotta get rid of it. You've gotta recognize this is not my fear. This is not mine. Why why am I acting this way? Why? Because that spirit is causing you to respond. And when circumstances come, when opportunities come, when, when direction from the Lord comes, that fear is holding you back. It's keeping you from stepping out of the boat where God is calling you to step out of. What would you do if you had no fear? And whatever your answer is, you don't need to tell me, whatever your answer is, that's what fear is holding you back from. What would you do if you had no fear? God did not give us fear. The enemy is trying to pollute your life with fear. And we've got to understand that the antidote to fear is is what did he give us? A spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. That's what God has given you. And those are the things that you hold on to. So when you come up to a situation and your mind is affected by fear, what the Bible says is you take every thought captive. He says, it says that the weapons of your warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty for the tearing down of strongholds. The weapons of your warfare are faced at your brain to tear down the thoughts that would hold you captive, the strongholds in your mind that the enemy uses to attack you consistently with fear so that when you have a situation come up and you have an opportunity to step out into, all of these fear, doubt, unbelief creeps in because a stronghold has been created. But God has given us a weapon. He says our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty for the tearing down of strongholds. Anybody wanna tear down some strongholds today? They are mighty for the tearing down of strongholds. And we take every thought captive. We take those thoughts of fear, we take them captive. We say, wait a minute, what are you doing in my brain? I take you captive. How you take a thought captive, if you acknowledge that it's there and that it shouldn't be. That's how you take it captive. Right? You acknowledge that it's there and that it shouldn't be. If I was in the Oval Office and I shouldn't be, somebody's going to take me captive, right? You acknowledge those thoughts and you recognize that thing shouldn't be there. What did God give me instead of that? Well, he gave me love, power, and a sound mind. What does love, power, and a sound mind look like in this situation? And you begin to reason in your mind. And you begin to change the way that you reason because the way that you reason perpetrates your thoughts, your reasoning is what the way that you think, right? And so we have thoughts and then we have our reasoning. And our reasoning is what we use to conclude our thoughts. And so you begin to change the reasoning and then you combat the thoughts. And you understand, God didn't give me this. Why am I walking this way? And you understand that fear is holding you back. And I I just I hate fear. I hate fear. I've seen fear hold so many people back, myself included. I have gotten, you know, numerous opportunities to preach in uh, a number of countries and, you know, done crusades with 30,000 people. And, and I think back to the day when I was too scared to hold a microphone in my hand. I'd have the, the, the vomit come up in my throat. My heart would be pounding outside of my chest. My hands would shaking. I couldn't sleep the night before. It would make me nauseous. It would make me sick. And, and uh, you know, I'd get up there and I couldn't think of one scripture. I couldn't think of one word. My mind would go completely blank. And all of it was a lie. It was a lie from the enemy that was sent to to stop me from doing my destiny. And And all the while, you know... If I would have allowed that fear to control me, I would have been stuck in some warehouse just doing my life. And all the while, all of this stuff is shut up inside of me. And I want to ask you this morning, what is shut up inside of you that fear is keeping? What is fear putting a lid on in your life? What would you do if you were not affected or afflicted by fear? Can't holler amen, holler ouch. That was R.W. Schambach, it wasn't me. Now here, here's the here's the secret. When Peter walks on the water, as long as he stays God conscious, he walks. As long as he stays focused on God, he walks. The moment that he becomes self conscious, he starts to sink. Now here's the thing, we, we, we think that we're, we're so self-conscious, we're, we're self-aware of our fears and we're self-aware uh, of our, our faults and our insecurities and we've got to get our eyes off of all of those things. The self-awareness will kill you. The self-awareness will cause you to start to sink. Here's the thing, when Peter walked on the water and it says that he started to sink, it never said that he sank. And so you may feel like you're sinking and you may start to sink. But when you step out, as long as you stay God conscious, the moment you get your eyes off Jesus and you feel like you're sinking, God reaches out his hand and pulls you up and say, no, look at me. And as long as we stay God conscious, we are not fixated on the situation. We are not affected by our fears. We're only affected by our affection. Oh, to only be affected by our affections. To only be influenced by our affections for Him. Isn't that glorious? And so I want to just leave you with, with some of these thoughts. I've already asked you some of the questions. What would you do if you had no fear? Realizing that that what your whatever your answer is to that, that's what fear is holding you back from. We've got to understand how do we overcome fear. Number one, recognize that it's a spirit and it's not yours. Recognize that God did not give it to us. And understand what He did give us. And then we've got to stay God conscious. And sometimes it's really hard to stay God conscious in the middle of a storm, right? It's hard to stay God conscious when everything's going wrong. Sometimes it's easy when everything's going right. Oh, God's so good. He's so good to me. I love him. Then when everything's not going good, And so we stay God-conscious no matter what the circumstances are, and we begin to step out. And what I feel like, just prophetically, I just feel like the, the, the Lord is calling people to step out of their peripheral boat, uh, boat. Calling you to step out of your boat. And it may look different for each, for each person. It may look like starting a business for some people. It may look like starting a ministry for some people. It may look like writing a book. It may look like uh, whatever it might look like for you. You know it if you're affected by it. You know what your boat is that you're staying comfortable to. Well, I've just always known. I've just always known this job. I've just always known this place. And we become comfortable with what we know and we develop a system of dysfunction and contentment. And it's rooted in fear. And what I feel like the Lord is wanting is just to point his finger into, into the, the, the subject and the topic of fear. And, and point at it in our lives. Like it says in the Psalm, search me, O Lord. And I feel like the Lord is looking to search for fear so that he can eradicate it. So that he can eradicate fear. Because God did not give you a spirit of fear but of love, power, and a sound mind. And I believe that what God wants to do in the remaining of this year, that, that it's, it's going to, to trump many of the things that he's done in the previous 10 years. For some of us, that's your entire walk with God. What if everything that God does in the next six months is, is, is a hundredfold of what he's done for, in the last 10 years for you? What if coming into divine acceleration means that you can't take the baggage of fear with you? What if it it means that that God has something amazing for you and he's got something powerful for you and he's got something that that, that you can't even imagine, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for you, but you can't step into that with fear. And so we, 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 we do some business with God and we understand that, God, you didn't give this to me. The promise is what you gave me. And I've got to stop expecting somebody else to birth my baby. I've got to stop expecting that, you know what, that dream, uh, it's just going to be on the shelf. This vision, this promise that you've given me, it, I'm just going to keep it over there. He's a, he's a right now God. Right? Now faith is. Everybody say now. 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 Right now. right now. Come on, like you're telling your kid, right now. Right now. There you go. That's better. All right. Um Once you guys stand, I just want to pray for you. I know it's getting late. My my heart really has been since the beginning of the year, I've just been going after the topic and the subject of destiny and and helping people find their purpose and helping people. And what I've found is that the majority of people are held back by fear and fear alone. You, you can say it's all kinds of other excuses. I'm not educated enough. I I, I can't do this or I can't do that. It's, it's fear. You're afraid that when you step out into what God's calling you to do, that he won't meet you there. And I, I just want to pray for you and just and just. Um, just bind the spirit of fear, right? So why don't, why don't you just grab the hand of somebody next to you, and I want you just to begin to pull back and forth, all right? Just bear, hey, come on now. We believe an invisible God lives inside of us. It's all weird after that. <laughs> just pull back and forth, just pull back and forth. And what you got to understand is that your life has been a struggle between faith and fear, it's been back and forth between faith and fear, between what God is calling you into and what the enemy is keeping you from. And right now, I just believe that the Lord, something is, is washing over people to break the spirit of fear, to bind the spirit of fear. And so I want you just, uh, just on the count of three, I want you just to like almost like sling down and just break, break that struggle, break that back and forth, just break it. And so here we go, one, two, three. Break it, break it, break the fear. God, we just thank you that you did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Lord, we just pray that in the coming days, in the coming weeks, in the coming years, God, that when we step into the opportunity, Lord, I just pray that the opportunities we felt like we missed are coming back around. I just pray that the babies you felt like were aborted, God has said the seed is still there. If you'll nurture it, if you'll grow it, if you'll pray into it, the seed is still there. The seed is good, but the enemy has come to plant tares in the midst of the seed. And so we've got to allow ourselves to not be overcome by fear, not be overcome by doubt, by unbelief. And so we just bind that spirit of fear. We bind that spirit of fear. And I just release the spirit of love, the spirit of the love of the Father, the spirit of a Father who has good plans and good destiny for each of you. For it says in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to prosper and they are good, and so we just release the love of the Father to wash over every person and break the identity off that says I'm not meant for significance. Break the identity off that says I'm never good enough. No, you are good enough. If you were the only person that died Jesus still, or the only person that sinned Jesus still would have died on the cross. You are worthy. You are worthy of his blood and that means that you are significant and that you are powerful and that God has a plan for you. He didn't haphazardly throw you together. He's got something powerful for you. He released it that spirit of love over you. And so God, we just thank you for the spirit of love. We just thank you for the spirit of power. God, that nothing is done without your power. And we thank you, God, for your authority. And we thank you, God, for your power. We thank you that when the spirit of power is released, that hell begins to tremble. We thank you that when the spirit of power is released, that chains begin to break and prison doors begin to open We thank you, God, that when the spirit of power is released, that fear begins to tremble and fear begins to shake. We thank you, God, that when the spirit of power comes, that the wind is no longer against you. The wind is for you because the wind is his power. And so, God, we thank you that the spirit of power is being released in this place. Lord, in those times when we feel like we're held back by fear, let us feel the wind of your power, the wind of your spirit on the napes of our neck, on the backs of our neck. God, let us feel the wind in our sails. Let us right now be just invigorated with the power of God and a fresh move of his spirit and a fresh wind of his power. God, we thank you that you are not a God who's far, far away, but you are right now continuously blowing on the winds of our heart, blowing on the doors of our heart, God, that you are fanning into flame the gift of God that you put inside of us. God, that you did not leave us nor forsake us, but you don't have bad things for us, you've got good things for us. We thank you for every dream that was birthed in encounter, every power, every every uh, promise that was birthed in power. God, we thank you for what you're doing. And Lord, we just release the spirit of a sound mind. We just thank you, God, for a sound mind that we, it's not just about acting crazy, it's not about rolling on the floor, it's not about all of these things, but God, that we, we, we do those things, but we do it with the spirit of wisdom, that there is a spirit of wisdom, there is a spirit of a sound mind that the man uh, God directs his steps and orders our ways but we determine our stride and so God we right now we thank you for the stride of the Lord we thank you God for the sound mind that is helping order our steps order our steps and our steps are not ordered with fear our steps are not ordered with fear your steps are not ordered with fear and so when you take a step You are not stepping into fear, but you're stepping on the enemy's head. Every step that you take you're crushing his head every step. Every time you you say no to fear and yes to faith, you're crushing his head. And then you crush his head again. And then you crush his head in this situation. And then you crush his head in this situation. And then your kids are gone and you crush his head with this situation because you stepped out in faith and you didn't allow fear to affect you. And so we just break off and bind up that spirit of fear. God, we say gone are the days where the Christians are known as the ones who are passive, who are the ones who are uh, rocking on a boat of mediocrity, we thank you that the opportunity is beckoning us to step out of mediocrity. We thank you, God, that the opportunity is calling us to step out on the winds and the waves, to step out into the unknown, to step out into uncharted waters and uncharted territories, and that we will no longer be bound up by where you were, but we are going to where you are. We are no longer making an idol to where you were and where you used to be, but God, we are stepping out and moving to where you you are right now you may not agree with it but i'm I'm just feeling like the lord is just you're just catching something in the spirit and you're going to go home, and you're going to see in, in, in situations and in circumstances, I used to respond this way, but I recognize that I'm responding in fear. I take that thought captive, and I choose to step in faith. You've got to choose to step in faith. Faith is not a noun. Faith is a verb. The action of faith. Father, we just thank you. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that the back of passivity is being broken, that no longer will our lives be affected by this fear. And I pray that the areas where fear has encamped in our lives, that faith would fill it. The areas of your life where fear has made a camp, we, we right now, we just to say the camp is being destroyed and fear is, or faith is occupying the place where fear used to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, we bless you. God, we just choose to walk away from fear. Just say no fear. No fear. no fear, no fear, and you need to look at the enemy and say, "Fear this." <laughs> we love you, Jesus. Well, God, we bless every person here. God, we we thank you that um, I just thank you that this word will enter into the hearts of people like seeds. Lord, and it just begins to affect and grow. And as we, as we recognize fear, faith begins to overcome fear in every situation, in every circumstance. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Bless you guys. Uh, our ministry teams will be up here.